T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Dave Onestead hanging out with Mully and Haw on 670 The Score. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. We're going to continue the conversation with Coach Wanstead. He is joining us as always, all guests do, on The Score. Hotline brought to you by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, some of the world's largest sports book. And Dave, we've had a conversation most of the week trying to, last week, whatever, trying to figure out how important the head coach is to these Super Bowl teams. And usually when we look at the head coaches in Super Bowls, you know, Bill Belichick won a ton of them. Obviously, he was with Bill Parcells. You won Super Bowls. Jimmy Johnson is a guy that everybody knows and thinks of. And and Dallas, Tom Landry. I mean, it's just, does Nick Sirianni... You know, all of these things are a lot like the others, but maybe one of these things just doesn't belong. You know, his his introductory news conference, and he joked about it yesterday, one of the worst things I've ever heard. But how, what's he do? How is it about him or the team they've built? Or, you know, are we not giving him enough respect for the games that he's won this year? You know what, Molly? I felt the same way that you did. And I think most of the public did after his, uh, you know, opening head coach first press conference. I mean, it was, it was terrible, but I'll tell you what. So I started following him close and I've never met him. When he did his first year, I think the guy gets it in. And let's go back. Do you remember when the season started? I don't have the, the numbers in front of me, but they were struggling early in the year and every, and the perception was, the, you know, Jalen Hurts, you can't drop back and throw the ball, and they're not going to survive, and he'll be fired, and what we saw in his press conference is what he is. Well, uh, I don't know, five, six games into the season, they went to this total quarterback run. It was like an old Oklahoma wishbone run-the-ball offense, and they were running the ball at 1.65% of the time. By far, the most of any team in the NFL, it helped their defense, it helped the turnovers, and as a result, they start winning games. And then it evolved as Jalen Hurts, you know, they got better players, A.J. Brown and them. So I, I give him a lot of credit. I think early on, he made a drastic decision, drastic to say this is what gives us the best chance to win, and we're going to do it. It's not NFL conventional, but I don't really care. And I think you got to give the coach credit for that. Why is that so hard for head coaches to do, Dave, when you find 
examples, and we, we, you know, we deal with that here in Chicago as well, where you're talking about going from Matt Nagy to uh, you know, Matt Eberflus and Luke Getze and the way they changed their philosophy midseason almost or during the mini-buy to embrace the skill set. You're referencing how the Eagles have done that. I mean, with that roster, it's not that hard to do from the outside looking in, but why is it so hard for head coaches to abandon maybe their initial scheme and embrace the idea that let the skill dictate what you do? Well, I think internally, uh, you know, you, you, you have to you, you have to have a strong enough belief to tell your owner what you're doing, tell your general manager what you're doing. You have to be able to fel- face the media, social media, what you're doing. I mean, all these internal pressures. And then on top of it, the players. There's not a quarterback in the league that doesn't want to be Tom Brady, you know, and drop back and, and, and throw the football 40 times a game or whatever. There's not one in the league. I don't care if you're Lamar Jackson. That's what they're looking to do down here with him. They want to make him more of a passer. So I think that, uh, uh, you know, between the players, the media, the front office, I mean, the the coaches really got to be strong-minded and really have a conviction to do it. Uh, And most of them, there's a roadblock set up at one of those different channels, and it never really completely changes the way it should, and and therefore they're not successful. Dave, we, we've seen these coaching mismatches or apparent coaching mismatches before in Super Bowls. And, you know, I, I, I don't know where you stand on Andy Reid. He's been at it so long. He's been so successful. You look at him and you think, you know, uh, Andy has got it together and knows what he's doing. I, I just don't know that, that, you know, you look at the Eagles and you think the depth of what they have. They've got, like, two teams coming at you on the defensive line. They've got – Two teams coming at you in the secondary. They they have like a lot of healthy bodies, and they look like you know. Here's hoping the quarterback's okay, but they look like they are the healthier team coming into this with the same 22 guys that started the season available to them to start the Super Bowl. Yeah, two points on that, Molly, and and they're valid points. The first thing is Patrick Mahomes was blitzed. Uh, Cincinnati blitzed them. 10 times checking his ankle lock, okay, in the, in the AFC championship game. And he completed eight of the 10, one of them for a touchdown. So, I, I you know, I, I don't see the Eagles changing much, and I don't know how bad that injury or if it's even going to affect Mahomes. Now, here's the point that I'd like to make to our, our, our listeners. I, I think you're not going to see Andy Reid do anything drastically different on offense. You're not going to see, you know, the the Eagles, Sirianni, and his crew do anything different from a coaching standpoint. I think the Super Bowls, the Bill Belichick's, and I and I know from our standpoint, the one I was involved with, the preparation. It's all about being able to keep your team focused and 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 be able to get the work done. You're going to have new things that uh, that you're going to add. Each team will on offense and defense. You get that done at home. How much are you practicing at home? Uh, you deal with the tickets and the families. Can you get all that stuff done early and put aside so you can focus on football? What's going to be your routine at home? And then once you get out there, you have your responsibilities. But but then it, it's all, you know, you have to pull things in. It's very difficult for the coaches and players to enjoy this moment if you're if you're taking part in it. 
you know, be, because if you do, you could get off track a little bit, and it could mean the difference in not having as good a meeting, not having as good a practice, and in the end result, you don't go out and perform at the level you're capable of. So I'm going to give Belichick, you know, credit for nobody prepared his team better than Belichick and when to have pads on and when not to and how much to meet and, and, and what they did routine-wise. So I think, you know, Andy Reid's got it down, whether it's from Mike Holmgren or whatever, I don't know, Bill Walsh. But the preparation for a Super Bowl, to me, is more important than the actual play calling in the game. Great point, Dave. You know, we heard from Nick Sirianni yesterday talk about being on the chief staff when Andy Reid took the job and not being retained. So he used that as a motivation. He referred to it as a chip on his shoulder. Every coach might have an example like that that fuels them. Maybe it's a rejection. Maybe it's a getting fired. Whatever the case may be. Do you have a situation like that in your past? Did you have a moment, a, a pivot point in your career where – because of you didn't get a job or because somebody told you one thing and motivated you to do another and you really took off from there because it seems as if that was an important moment in Nick Sirianni's career. And look what, look what happened after that. He is now coaching a team in the Super Bowl. Well, you know, I interviewed for the Steeler job and didn't get it, you know, that, that, but that wasn't, I think the biggest thing with us, and I think it was a group thing. I think players and coaches, when we went to that first Super Bowl at Dallas, you know, we were only out of college football four years, guys. And we were still, you know, they, they were calling the defense that I ran, the college 4-3. Uh, you know, there was that, uh, you know, there was that mentality around the NFL that, that we were the college guys and we, and, and, and we weren't there yet. We, we, couldn't, we couldn't do what these veteran NFL coaches were doing. And our players, we were the youngest team in the NFL. So we were, maybe it was being naive, David. You know, maybe we were just naive to the situation. But I think it was a little bit of we're college players, we're college coaches. And, and damn it, you know, we've all won championships in college. And we know this stuff works. Let's go show these people. You know, um, I just, I wonder about when you start talking about availability of players for the Chiefs, their receiving core is really beaten up, Dave. So obviously they got the they got the great tight end and and he's going to play no matter what. But uh, Juju Smith Schuster was listed as uh, questionable last week. I don't know what tomorrow will bring us. Kadarius Tony couldn't even practice last week. Uh, I think they've they've got uh, different issues with those guys, and they had to take Hardman and put him on IR. So they're going to be. Down a couple receivers, they've had to put a couple guys on IR over the last couple of weeks, and we just don't. I mean, you guys will do anything to play in a Super Bowl. I understand it, but how how worried should they be if they can't get their main pieces together in that offense? Yeah, I think it's a. I think that could be the biggest, a huge advantage, yeah. obviously for Philadelphia, not just because of the injuries. That's part of it, Molly, but. Think about this. You know, the Eagles obviously led the NFL in sacks. So 70 regular season sacks, okay? Uh, that, that, now, with that being said, 60 of those came with four-man or three-man rush. So what does that tell me? That tells me that the Eagles secondary, you can do whatever you want back there because you're only going to rush. They're only going to come after Patrick Mahomes with four guys. I promise you that. Every once in a while, they may bring an extra guy, but they are a four-man rush team 
What does that do? It gives you seven guys to defend the pass. And you can double players. You can play man on one side and zone on the other. You can make it look like a two deep and roll down and play a one deep. I mean, you can do all these disguise factors and double coverages and everything that you want to do that you can draw up. You have the capabilities of doing that when you don't have to rush extra guys. So I think that um, I think that's a big advantage for Philadelphia. I, I truly do, as long as they can take care of the run with their front seven. That's the key. And and Kansas City, you know, from running the football, I love Pacheco. I mean, he I wouldn't want to tackle him. He's 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 one of those tough runners that every time he gets the ball. But but Kansas City, you know, it, it's about their passing game. So I truly believe that those front guys will be able to slow down the run well enough, and they'll be able to do a lot of creative things from a coverage standpoint against those receivers that are a little bit banged up and a little bit new from Kansas City. Well, Travis Kelsey seems to be healthy, so defensive guru. With your college defense, how would you attack Travis Kelsey in terms of doubling him, finding ways to make sure that he is not wide open as he so often appears to be? I, it's a, it's the most amazing thing, Dave. Every time you see the Chiefs' offense, he seems to find a way to make himself open. How do you combat that if you're the Eagles? Well, they, they, you know, obviously you can hit him at the line of scrimmage. I would do a little bit of everything. I, I would always have somebody on top of him. But I think the real key with Kelsey is when Mahomes is extending plays, guys, when he starts moving a little bit, and I'm not talking about scrambling, but when he just starts moving to avoid the rush, which he's going to do to the right, to the left, the first guy he's looking for is Kelsey. And Kelsey, you know, he is such a good athlete. God, you know, the guy was a quarterback. We know that, we know that story. I mean, he can run. So all he does, I would be doing, we call it plaster. I would be doing some movement scramble drills in practice. And really, whoever is in Kelsey's zone, or if you got a man, that's the guy you got to stay with. You cannot worry about Patrick Mahomes scrambling. If Mahomes wants to scramble for 50 yards in this game, let him run. That's what I would tell him. But we cannot come out of coverage and take our eyes off of Kelsey and, and give him the easy throw because he, he takes those eight-yard completions into 18 yards. That's the difference, too. He's, his yards after the catch are, are as good as anybody in the NFL. This is a little under the radar maybe, Dave, but when you watch Philadelphia in short yardage, they've got this like football scrum thing that they can do, and maybe it's because Jason Kelsey can get so low and low pads win in short yardage. Maybe it's Hurts whatever his skill is, but I, I I often wonder when I watch them on a fourth and one, I often wonder why more teams can't do that because they, it's like, it's almost like you're watching a rugby match. It's the main, it's amazing to see the way they do this weird. It like, it reminds me of the Roman empire, you know, yeah, we're, we're yeah. going to load up and march down and no one can get near us. <laughs> that That's all it is really. I mean, it's a bunch of pushing, but, what they have going for him is Jalen Hurts is not that tall, but keep it so he can get down underneath and behind his lineman. He's not six six and awkward, so he can get down underneath. And keep in mind, Jalen Hurts, guys, they say he squats close to 600 pounds. Yeah, yeah. He is a powerful man. And, and everything on those sneaks is just, you know, instinctive finding a soft spot and having good blocking. Yes. But it's also just leg drive. It's all about the leg drive. 
and there's not a stronger quarterback as far as legs uh, strength in the NFL. And, and so Jalen Hurts is able to keep his legs moving, and with a little bit of push from behind and a little bit of push in front, you know, he's going to get you a yard or two. All right, Dave, so you've done your homework. You've got the research. Who are you picking? I'm taking Philadelphia because I think with the four-man rush, uh, I, I would play a shell coverage, and I would work on plastering for Mahomes moving around. But they're going to move. They're, they're going to get pressure on Mahomes. There's not a doubt about it. He's going to be on the move a little bit, and now it's a matter of staying in coverage on the deep end. But, but it comes down to this, guys. Two things. Watch this in the game. One, first down with Philadelphia. That If they're successful on first down, then they're the best in the business on third down because it's run-pass option. The second thing is watch Kansas City's big down is third down. It don't make any difference really what Kansas City does on first down, second down, because third and eight to Patrick Mahomes or third and five, it's all the same. He's going to drop back and move around and try to find an open guy. So, so don't give up a big play. Uh, and then let me, let me I, I got to shut up on this thing. What do you have to do to stop the running game for the Eagles? When the quarterback's a runner, they got you outnumbered. You got to get an extra guy in the box. Kansas City will run cover one. In other words, they're going to bring the safety down and they're going to play one-on-one to get that extra defender in the box for the quarterback run. That's smart. They're going to need a safety to help on the run. But when you go to that, that leaves your corners one-on-one. And so now I think this, I think it's going to be Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. Those guys are going to be single covered out there because Kansas City is going to be bringing the safety down. And when they bring the safety down and those receivers are one-on-one, they're going to get open because of their ability and speed. Now, Jalen Hurts, I think he's going to have a chance to complete some big passes. Great stuff, Dave. Thank you. Always a joy to catch up with you. We appreciate it. Thanks, Dave. Okay, guys. That is Dave Wanstead. That is really fun to talk to him. He's been looking at it. He's right about Jalen Hurts. I hadn't thought about the the, um, 600-pound lift. You know, that, that is Lex. That is exactly right. Well, he's also been breaking it down. He, he, he's got a good handle on this. It's, it's hard, unless you really have a rooting interest, it's really hard to pick against this Eagles team if you look at both the tape, the numbers, the matchups. It's just nobody is diminishing anything about Patrick Mahomes and how he is the best player in the NFL in my book. But yes. you look at what happened to him the last time they played in the Super Bowl when they played against a pass rush that they could not control. And I just feel like with the way that Tampa Bay dictated the course of that game and got to Patrick Mahomes, I could see the Eagles collapsing the pocket, making him uncomfortable, forcing him into mistakes, making him do things that he doesn't ordinarily want to do. That, to me, is where this game will turn. The pass rush of the Eagles, whether it's on first down or third down, is going to be too much for the Chiefs offensive line to handle. You know, I think the the difference might be, and I and I'm not sure, but wasn't that a really compromised offensive line by the time they got to that Super yeah, Bowl? Yeah, it was. I think sure. they were down a bunch sure. of starters. I just think that they're in better shape right now than that team was. But I agree with what you're saying. I think it's not the Eagles have four different guys who are double figures and sacks, and they can come at you with waves of players. They've got like eight really good defensive linemen 
that they can rotate and come at you the, with. It's going to be really high. And, and someone like Hassan Reddick has blown up games before. Well, that's so it. It's that's just the, thing. the depth of the destruction, yeah, if you will. It's like you. you're coming at this offensive line, even though it is healthy, even though it is whole. I just think that the Eagles have too many ways to get to the quarterback and have proven that. You look at their numbers, third most sacks of all time. That is a Pretty historically good. good defense. Pretty good. Pretty good stuff. Again, you know, they haven't had the hardest schedule. I don't know if that matters. We should talk about that, though. It's, it's an important It's also the thing. game is changing, but is it changing enough to where you diminish or dismiss the exploits of two of the greatest quarterbacks ever? We need to talk about what somebody had to say about Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers when we come back. It's Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 670 to score. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Modern day game does not impress me. It's super easy when you don't get hit as a quarterback and when you can't reroute receivers and when you can't hit guys across the middle. I love Tom Brady, I love Aaron Rodgers, I love these guys. It's not impressive. What's impressive is what they did. <laughs> Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 to the score. That's Trent Dilfer, unimpressed with the modern quarterback. Um, wow. I, I know that is, you know, it's kind of a damning uh, comment coming from a guy. It's faint praise. Um I love those guys, but what they do isn't really what people had to do. Did in the he past. just diss Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers? I, you know, I hate to say this because I know you don't agree with this, but I think he's probably right. I think that Tom Brady, uh, if he played 20 years ago, would never have made it as long as he has in his career. I think the very fact that, that you know, you're no longer allowed to really hit a quarterback. And if you do, there's a lot more laundry on the field. There's there's a lot more um, calls, personal fouls called, et cetera. Roughing the passer has become, you know, a debilitating reality to a lot of defensive linemen. I, I really believe that's the case. And, and frankly, the rerouting of receivers is probably the biggest thing. 
it, I, you know, you are no longer allowed to touch anyone okay. in the secondary. I'm just saying. The game has Tom changed. played a long time. I, I, I'll give you that. The game has changed. because the rules changed. Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers would have been successful, wildly successful in any era. Any era. I'm not the arguing accuracy that. and I, command I, with which they 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 control the, the pocket. I'm talking about the length of their careers. Okay, well, the length of their career is indirectly related to how great they are remembered and maybe the legacy they leave. But they still would have been great. I think that's what I object to when you have Trent Dilfer talking to a audience during the taping of Baltimore Bullies, a documentary on the Baltimore Ravens and his role in that Super Bowl championship because he wasn't necessarily the kind of quarterback that could put the ball where he wanted to whenever he wanted to and maybe the rules are a little bit different he was pandering to the audience certainly I get that maybe he was doing that every week when he was talking about Justin Fields I don't know here in Chicago (laughs) but I think that when you when you cast doubt on the greatness of Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady it raises an eyebrow because yes the game has changed but I think their skill set translates into any era I loved Trent Dilfer's hit on the afternoon show, and I miss it. And I'm, I'm, I'm bummed that he's become a head coach and given those guys the Heisman. But I do, I do think there's a level of truth to what he's saying. And, and what I mean is, let's say Aaron Rodgers came into the NFL the same time Joe Montana did, mm-hmm. and they both had their careers at the same time. Would there be a question as to who was the greatest quarterback of all time? Would it necessarily have been Tom? Uh, or would we we wonder if Brady was taking more shots, could he have lasted as long as he did? I think that Tom Brady would have found a way to get rid of the ball as quickly as Joe Montana did. I think that Aaron Rodgers certainly would have been as uh, terrific. In, uh, the ability of their receivers to get open is what has made maybe – them and other quarterbacks succeed and amass these these crazy yardage totals. I'll I'll grant you that, but I do think that you those two guys specifically. I think the argument would have been stronger to me if he would have used other examples of of quarterbacks that have had their numbers inflated because of the way the game has changed. If you want to take a shot at Matthew Stafford, or if you want to take a shot at Justin Herbert, or somebody who is maybe. Uh, and then and those are just two, the two that come to the top of my head in terms of guys with big arms who are taking advantage of the way the rules have changed. When you look at the intangibles that Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers respectively offer, I don't think criticizing their 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 accomplishments makes a lot of sense because whether it's the Montana era, the Unitas era, or whatever era you want to plug them into, I think they're Hall of Famers. I, I'm, that's not the argument. I, I think the argument in what he's saying is that he's not impressed by modern football. And therefore, whatever records are being set by these guys, I, I'm getting a lot of grief on the text line, and it's very funny. I said if Tom played 20 years ago. <laughs> Tom did play did. 20 years ago. I know. <laughs> and and that, that is the point I was trying to make. But I, I, I meant if he was wrapping up his career 20 years ago as opposed to wrapping it up now – things would have been different. I don't know that he'd have made it to age 46. I'm just being honest about it. If he started his career, as I said, around the time Joe Montana did. But, David, I I think what's really interesting is, let me ask you this. LeBron is going to be the greatest scorer in NBA history, and he's lasted forever. If he played 
when hand checking was allowed. If he if he had to go to Detroit and they had the LeBron rules where all they did was determine who fouled him whenever he went to the mm-hmm. to the would would he be doing that? Would he would, you know would we talk about him as the greatest player of all time if he got beaten? And I I get it. Well, Michael you, got a lot of calls. My, my in the honest 90s answer by the end of is, it. is that again. But he yes. came into the league in the yes. 80s. Because I think that I, I think when, he's a great player. when you're talking about, about LeBron longevity. James, when, when, when we use these, the, the great the guys who are arguably one of the greatest to ever do their respective sports, to play their respective sport, I think that almost diminishes the argument. I get the argument. I think that, yeah, the NBA was different and harder to score back in Kareem's day. I think the uh, league was harder to Conquer if you're quarterback back when Trent Dilfer played and maybe even Montana. But when you use the examples of Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers to make your point, you lose me because I think that there are other examples that would make your point stronger. The point is strong and the point, the, the point is valid, but the takeaway is lessened when you're trying to be extreme in your argument. To me, it doesn't work because you're trying to diminish Brady and Rodgers, which is ridiculous well, I, to me. I, I, I think what he was trying to say, and I'm not putting words in his mouth, that quarterbacks are aging longer now than they did back in the day because they're not taking the same hits. They're getting the yardage now that they didn't get back in the day because receivers are hands-off, and, and that is different. It, it is an offensive game, and that's why – one of the reasons I, I agree with what how does you're he explain saying. Brett Favre? These are these are guys that you can take out of of history and plop them in anywhere, and they're going to be great players. I'm I'm not mistaking that idea, but I do think it's I just think that what he's saying is the modern game is easier because of the the, the lack of uh, hits on the quarterback and the uh, lack of reroutes. And, and, and had he said that. He he probably wouldn't have gotten a a reaction no, from the crowd. No, but so I would he, I would have agreed with him. So he went rest, he went extreme. He did to make the point. He did. and I don't is, like that. Yeah, and that's fair. I, I just that's I, fair. I, I, but I'm that's just what saying, I'm reacting the to. The point is accurate. You're right about Hall of Famers being Hall of Famers, yeah. whatever era they play in. You're absolutely right. Yeah, but his point is well taken in that, and it, and it almost goes without saying, doesn't it? We understand why the rules have changed. We don't have to like it, but you know what? The minute you say you 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 re- you react to that, and well, boy, the things were better in the old days. But then you talk about you know how the game. You, you want offense. You want more offense. Everybody wants more offense. But you want more offense. Then you the other the game has changed. So which is it? Well, I, but he's saying I, he's saying that it's you know it's a drudgery watching the way the game is played now as opposed to the stuff that happened. Most back people in think it's a drudgery watching ten to seven. Or twenty to seventeen, right? And and I think that he's right. in, in he's in the minority there, despite the fact that he got a big roar from the crowd. The crowd is celebrating well, the Baltimore organization yes. that has has they could thrived. Only win ten to seven because yes. he was the quarterback, and because <laughs> he was oh, the quarterback, and because they had a great defense. Yeah, they had a great defense. So I I understand where he's coming from. I just think he went a a little bit too far in trying to make a point that was a valid one. Yeah, that's all. We yeah. all do it. He was overstating it. He didn't well, have to drag Brady and Rodgers down with him to make the point that he yes. clearly was was right to make. Yes, yeah. I don't think he, I don't think he was trying to drag down uh, Tom or um, uh, Rodgers. I, I just think he was, as you say, he was using the modern day example 
as a way of kind of gaining attraction. Pandering? Total pandering. Okay. But just because you pander to the uh, Ravens crowd doesn't mean you were pandering about Justin Fields. That stuff holds. It's a fair up. question, too, though. It's a fair question. Once a panderer, always a panderer. Right? Oh, my God. Fair you know, I, here's the thing. Like, I, I like the idea that you can compare players from generation to generation. It's one of the things that the steroid era kind of ruined in baseball, right? The numbers just went crazy, and people were hitting home runs. And I feel like the numbers have gone out of sync with the reality of the game in the modern NFL. I think that's happened a little bit. There's no other way to do it because when you're on offense, you're a target. When you are on defense, you are targeting people. So I understand the, a- the difference. A.J. Green retired yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You look at his career receiving statistics. Are you impressed by them or, or do you qualify them under like, well, you know what? It was easier to amass over 10,000 yards or whatever he had in when you're considering whether or not he belongs in the Hall of Fame. I, Isn't that the see, same type of thing you're talking about? That's the same about? kind of argument, yeah. and I think that's one that people are going to have to be aware of. We are going to uh, bring in Mike Florio. We're going to head to uh, the Super Bowl and talk to him. He is out there right now. It's Mully and Haw on the score. Mike Florio, ProFootballTalk.com, NBC Sports, Twitter.com slash ProFootballTalk. Day by day, day by day, we get better and better. We get better and better. NFL insider Mike Florio with Mully and Haw on 670 The Score. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Mike Florio joins us now on... The Score Hotline brought to you by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. We love our opportunity to talk to Mike. Michael, good morning. How are you? Doing great. How are you guys? Good. Well, you're out there and you're covering the big game and uh, and your proximity to greatness is, uh, is, is always a reality. Um, what is Nick Sirianni doing for a living? How, how does the most underrated coach in a Super Bowl uh, feel? in his uh, matchup with parent mismatch against uh, Andy Reid. It really is amazing to see some of the questions he was asked last night. It's like the media doesn't know how to deal with this guy. I mean, he seems to be a very colorful personality. He's got a great, rich story. He was on the staff in Kansas City when Andy Reid became the head coach. Andy Reid let him go in favor of David Culley as the receiver's coach. So there's a lot of meat there. And then there was some stuff last week from the Giants, specifically Safety Julian Love saying that Sirianni is basically the caretaker for a great roster. And it reminded us of the old Jerry Jones quote that 500 coaches could have won Super Bowls with that Cowboys team of the 90s. And then he went and proved it with Barry Switzer winning one. But, you know, Sirianni's got that fire. He's got that that passion. And th- this Eagles team, they, 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 they've had something special all year long. The only flaw is they've never really been tested in a big spot. Look at their two playoff wins. They haven't had to fight through adversity. They haven't had that moment where it feels like things may not be going their way. The Chiefs fought through that against the Jaguars after Patrick Mahomes got injured. They fought through it against the Bengals when there were stretches where it felt like the Bengals were going to steal the game. I just I feel like that's going to be the biggest thing for Sirianni to overcome. They don't have that institutional experience of fighting through really significant adversity this season. 
Speaking of head coaches, Mike, you're in a town that uh, has the Cardinals still looking for one. And did Brian Flores really turn down the Cardinals' head coaching job to become the defensive coordinator of the Vikings? And and uh, if so, who's next in Arizona? Well, he turned down an opportunity to be a finalist. And I'm surprised he didn't let the process play out because he's got that very viable lawsuit pending against the NFL for initially – decades of racial discrimination and bias and there are three total plaintiffs in the case including former panthers interim coach steve wilkes and one of the claims specifically against the texans is last year flores was a finalist they went off the board and hired lovey smith and one of the reasons they didn't hire flores is because he engaged in activities protected by federal law you can't retaliate against someone you can't shun someone you can't snub someone who has exercised their legal rights against discrimination under federal law. So I thought he'd get the Cardinals job. I really did, because the other two candidates have no head coaching experience. Lou Anaromo, the Bengals defensive coordinator, Mike Kafka, the Giants offensive coordinator. So now it looks like it's going to be one of those two guys unless they go off the board. And I don't know whether Flores was offered the job. I mean, he either was offered the job and said no, or he had a feeling he wasn't going to be offered the job, or he just didn't want to wait because the ship was leaving the dock in Minnesota. They needed a defensive coordinator. They wanted a Giro Evero from the Broncos, who ended up with the Panthers, and Flores was their guy. But I don't know whether they were going to wait around for Flores. So he had a decision to make, and that decision is, let's go to Minnesota and be the defensive coordinator and, and table the desire to become a head coach again for at least a year. And you have to wonder how much of it is, Arizona just feels a little dysfunctional right now, and you don't know when you're going to have Kyler Murray. And the process of fixing Kyler Murray could be a, a huge mess and an ordeal that could end up in another short-term stay for a head coach. I was fascinated to hear uh, Patrick Mahomes talk about how um, the coaches reacted to to uh, losing uh, Tyreek Hill and how they changed everything and they did this great job. Um, you know, the thing about Mahomes is he was one of these guys that spent the offseason working out with the new receivers. He spent his time helping the rookies get acclimated. He did sort of the opposite of what Aaron Rodgers did, right? I mean, Aaron Rodgers, God bless him, he enjoyed his offseason and then he came back and he expected the, the guys to be available and ready and understand what was going on. I, I think Mahomes is as important in how they got through the Tyreek Hill thing as as the coaching staff. Absolutely. And look, Tyreek Hill had become a problem behind the scenes for the Chiefs, and the Chiefs never put that out there. Hill made it clear in comments on his podcast. He wasn't happy with the number of targets he was getting. He ended up with a career-high number of targets and catches in 2021, but it wasn't enough. And I think he saw what Cooper Cup was doing. He resented what Cooper Cup was becoming, and he thought he could be Cooper Cup if he just had – the ball force-fed his way the way that it was for Cup in L.A. But regardless, they need an offense that Patrick Holmes can just go back and throw to the open guy, and that's what they do now. And he trusts whoever it is, whoever's on the field. He has that level of faith and confidence because he worked with his players, because they have a level of collegiality and camaraderie that transcends X's and O's. And one of the things that Andy Reid told Chris Sims when Sims went out to interview him before the divisional round game it wasn't just Mahomes on his own time 
working with these guys. It was Mahomes contacting Reed and saying, here's what this guy does well. Here's what that guy does well. Here's information you can use in crafting our game plans and playbook for 2022. Think of how valuable that is. And you're right. The other side of the coin is Aaron Rodgers, whose attitude is, I'm not doing anything until I have to. And all those opportunities lost to help his players get comfortable with him, him get comfortable with them. And what a shock it, it took until week 10 or 11 for that offense to really click. Mike, I, I look at uh, Tom Brady taking a gap year from Fox in the booth as uh, him leaving the door open to returning to the NFL. Is that overly cynical? Or why is he taking a year off from broadcasting? Well, I don't think it's cynical at all because I don't think he lies. I think he tells the truth as he sees it at the time he says what he says. And he acknowledged that last night on his podcast. That Let's Go podcast has some very revealing nuggets from him from time to time. Again, if you can believe what he says, because he said in the past 90% of the things he says isn't what he really feels. So who the hell knows? But he did say last night he still thinks he can play. He wants to play. He just thinks now is the time to stop. And it's one thing to feel that now. It's another thing to feel it in March April, May, June, July, you know, he's going to get to late July and training camps are going to open. And the thing he's going to realize is that the train is going without him. They're not going to beg him to get aboard. It's gone. And once that train starts pulling out of the station, that's when he's going to face something that he hasn't faced since the last year. He didn't play football as a kid. Think of how many years football season has been part of his life. And I think he may feel differently. I remember when Brett Favre retired in 2008. He was on David Letterman's show in late April around the draft. And he said, you know, when training camp rolls around, who knows how I'll feel. And that was the first moment I said, that's uh, coming back. He's coming back. And the stuff from Brady yesterday, it's one of those things. it's It's like a painting where 20 different people can see 20 different things in it. Like, you can see whatever you want to see in what Brady said yesterday and lock on to it, and it just deepens the mystery. Who the hell knows what the guy's going to do? Is he in a white dress or a gold dress or what does that mean? (laughs) Great stuff, Mike. As always, appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. Hey, thanks, guys. Good talking to you. Happy Super Bowl to uh, Mike Florio. Great guy. A lot of fun seeing him out there. Busy week for him. Yeah. Absolutely. working hard, no question. All right. We've got – We've got uh, – we're going to head back to, to uh, the Super Bowl, right, is, uh, is our man from WIP, Elliot uh, Shore Parks. I believe he's covering that. We'll ask him what the hell Nick Sirianni does for a living. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 of the score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is back. 
and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.